don't treat everything as a competition. You have to remember that when we make change, we're not working against each other. We have to work together to create positive change. Hey, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Bailey. We're the hosts of Never Too Early, a podcast where we showcase youth changemakers. In this episode, we speak with Bella Lee, a high school senior based in Hong Kong. She founded Thalassemia Hong Kong at the age of 15 to tackle the lack of awareness and drive policy reform on thalassemia, an underrepresented blood disorder. She's also a founding member of the Global Goals Council at CDNIS, empowering youth involvement in the SDGs. Continue listening to hear how she connects with professionals, collaborates with other teens, and avoids burnout. Welcome or welcome back to Never Too Early. Today, we're super excited to have Bella on the pod. So as a fun question to kick us off, we'd like to ask you, what is something you're grateful for today? Today, I was just really grateful for the beautiful weather and the sunset that I missed, but I managed to see on people's Instagram story. Um, Yeah, the weather has been great lately. So that's something I'm really grateful for. Oh my gosh, yes. And I missed the sunset as well, but looked beautiful and the weather has been so nice I'm so excited to like finally start wearing Christmas and like winter clothing anyways moving on from that for any of our listeners that don't know you yet would you mind giving us a short introduction of who you are and what you do so hi everyone my name is Bella I'm 17 years old and I'm currently in my last year of high school so my journey with kind of change making started When I was younger, the first ever change-making thing I've ever done was hosting a community yard sale for earthquake victims. So that was when I donated my toys and kind of just auctioned each piece off. And that happened when I was um, maybe six or seven years old. But fast forward to now, um, I started my first project called Thalassemia Hong Kong. And it is an organization that advocates for underprivileged thalassemia patients which is a type of rare blood disease that we'll get into later, and basically advocating for healthcare equity. And there are other things that I do right now, which we'll touch on later as well, but my hobbies include um, reading, hiking, and also cooking. I love to cook. Wow, you should definitely cook for us someday. (laughs) Um, As you mentioned just now, would you uh, mind sharing a bit more about what thalassemia is or uh, why you chose to advocate for it? Okay, sure. So thalassemia, um, I'll pronounce it a bit slower for the listeners, it's thalassemia, and it is a blood disease that you can only get from your mom or dad, so it's a hereditary blood disorder, and there are severe and less severe versions of it called beta and alpha thalassemia, so if you have alpha thalassemia, you should probably get some treatment, but if you have some minor cases, then you won't really feel lots of symptoms. So why I wanted to choose thalassemia instead of other diseases is because I personally have never even heard of that before. Um, I met someone with it. So it was a family friend. We were at dinner together and I wondered why their child couldn't be with us. And I just had a lot of questions as to why and it's because they were just physically unwell. And from that point, I just started delving deeper and I wanted to kind of educate myself on these diseases I've never even heard of. And if I didn't hear about it, then I would just, I would guess that a lot of people haven't either, right? So 
it causes your body to have less hemoglobin than normal, which means that some people might struggle in doing just normal things like, yeah, like walking up the stairs. So what I basically do is I kind of advocate for underrepresented and socioeconomically disadvantaged patients, especially children, because I love children. And yeah, and the other big thing that I do is also healthcare equity. So in 2019, I went to Hainan, China, a place where these problems exist a lot more. And I kind of just gave talks and I kind of appealed to the government to speak about healthcare equity because I found that there are different levels of support given to people who live in the cities and people who live in the countryside. So yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Wow, that is amazing. It's so great to hear that. Um, one of the questions we have for you is as someone based in Hong Kong, working towards healthcare equity in Hainan, how does that work? So what are some of the initiatives you run locally and how does that transfer to the places that you support? So working in Hong Kong for something that's basic, that started in China is a little bit difficult now because I obviously can't go back and speak to all the people. But before I left, I made really meaningful connections with doctors and parents and even government officials that I'm still in contact with about how we can navigate this issue of inequity because treatments are expensive. And of course the government can't allocate all of its money to patients of one disease. But what I do from Hong Kong now is just hosting Zoom calls, talking on panels. So uh, my most recent panel was at the Chinese disability panel. And it was basically an awareness day for all disabilities because hereditary diseases are also counted as a disability there. So um, I also have an Instagram account called Thalassemia Hong Kong, where I publish content in English. And I've also written a few articles. So something that I thought that was really important while doing this type of work is knowing how to express the same thing in both languages, because I do want to touch on to more people with the same message. Yeah, that's amazing, especially in Hong Kong, where a lot of us are like bilingual or trilingual. It's very important to like uh, approach like people of different backgrounds and languages. Um, following up on that, I would like to ask, like, do you find any challenges in advocating for healthcare equity in Hong Kong or in China? So like, do people uh, go against it or do they not know about this issue at all? Actually, there are a lot of challenges because this is obviously, it's just one teenager trying to disrupt like the system, like the healthcare system. And I think just starting from the idea that it's actually fundamental to ensure that our populations, like whether it be China or Hong Kong or America, to make sure our populations are actually cared for and that no one is left behind in the system. So I have actually been in conferences with people who do have the ability to make these policies and basically pulling on people's heartstrings. But it's not just these people we're trying to talk to as well. It's also the wider community and just tackling the stigma that diseases are kind of just sensitive topics because they're not, and it's no one's fault that people have hereditary diseases or any diseases in particular. That is so right, and that is so true. And I'm so glad that you're amplifying and really speaking on this issue that may not have a lot of light shined on it at the moment. Um, in one of your previous answers, you mentioned being a singular teen trying to disrupt like the whole system. So I'd like to ask, 
um, if you've ever felt any struggle due to the fact that you were a teen or just a student. And for those listening who are also teens struggling to make a big impact as such a small person, what advice would you give to someone like them? My biggest advice is to not feel burned out while advocating something that you're truly passionate for. And also don't be afraid to ask for help or to reach out to your connections if you have any. Um, and also con making connections is such an important thing as well because this is often just not just a singular person thing. It has to be, it could be collaborating with doctors or just anyone who may know more than you, who may have more power than you, but ultimately you have your own voice in this and that finding someone who also shares a vision can amplify your mission even more. So in my experience, I had, I'm really lucky to have worked with some doctors to come up with some ideas to how to spread the word and to get the word to the people who could make a change. That is so wonderful. One of the things that I really value, and I'm so glad that you mentioned this, is making connections as a high schooler or as someone who feels like, you know, they're not super experienced yet or don't really have a lot on their resume. Can you explain how you first got started making connections and how you really developed these um, relationships with industry experts or people in the field? I think with thalassemia in particular, because I had no idea what to look for. So I think the first thing that I did was just giving a presentation, um, like a proposal to your parents, because ultimately you're a minor and doing an overseas project is a huge thing. So what I did was I brainstormed and then the idea is ultimately mine, but we were able to come up with a contact list and I typed out emails for everyone. And sometimes when you try to make connections, you can send 10 emails and probably not even get any emails back. But eventually with some help, I was able to manage to get some connections. But for now, as I've learned the ways in using social media like Instagram and LinkedIn, LinkedIn is my favorite ever um, because you can find so many people that you've never heard of but are experts in a certain field. And just basically building a LinkedIn profile has really helped me with my other projects as well. Yeah, definitely. And also with like my other projects, I to I totally feel that like it's very hard to find connections sometimes, but when you do find those, they're very valuable. Um, and also another challenge you mentioned just now is like burnout. Um, as a teenager ourselves, um, we all have a lot on our plates. So how do you manage or avoid burnout? And like, do you have any advice for those that um, are struggling with burnout right now? Yes, I have heaps of them. Like burnout is one of the biggest issues that we face every day. It's so easy to just feel unmotivated to want to do something. And I get it, it's really difficult. So for me, I think I have to just take a step back and think why I started this because starting a project like this, you have to be super passionate. You have to be genuinely interested in what you're doing. And it can't be a half-hearted problem you have to be fully immersed in it right because first of all this helps you from experiencing burnout and second of all it just shows people how authentic you are and how serious you are so that is also an added bonus so to avoid burnout I usually just think of all that I've done so far and just remind myself why I like doing what I do and why this is such a big part of my life so often that helps me a lot and I hope that 
your listeners can also take this advice and maybe it could help them too. That is so true. I think it's really important for everybody sometimes to just take a step back and look at what they've done and really analyze and dig deeper into why they're doing it and their motivations behind it. So apart from being really motivated and being able to overcome these challenges, are there any skills that you would recommend to someone who's looking to take a path like yours, whether it be soft skills or hard technical skills? I think for soft skills, we did touch on a lot of them, like communication, networking, and just staying motivated. But I think the hard skill would be just to stay organized. Planning a project like this is quite long-term for me. It's not something impulsive that you would do because if it was impulsive, it would be harder for you later on to um, kind of just look at how to approach this project. So I would recommend planning, like really meticulous, organized planning. And another skill is just don't be afraid to ask for help. There are always people who are better than you at doing something. So don't let that discourage you. Instead, take that as motivation to kind of learn from them because there's always something new to learn. And also lastly, be humble. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. That is so wonderful. Um, as for hard skills, do you have any tips or do you have any like specific strategies that you've put into use that have been helpful for you? Uh, organization is a hard skill, right? I'm not entirely sure, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's a big one. Hmm. Let me think of another one. Team building. Is that a hard, is that a hard skill? Yeah. Team building and also just being responsible. Wait, that's a soft skill. Oh gosh. What have I learned in school? Um, being able to work with other people, just collaboration. And Bailey and I have actually worked together so much before and 90% of what we talked about when we give talks is collaboration. That is so important. And just being able to work with people, being a team player, um, treating others as your equals, that is something that is really important as well. Absolutely. And just like an FYI, Bella is such like a goddess to work with. You're so amazing. And speaking about working together, would you mind also like maybe slightly touching on the other stuff that you do apart from thalassemia? Yeah, of course. And so Bailey and I were part of the GC Council. Um, so I'm currently still in it as the senior administrator. And I, I noticed I use the word GC a lot. So I'll just explain what it means. It's the Global Goals Clubs Council. So what a Global Goals Club is, is in our school, the Canadian International School of Hong Kong. It is a club that does service and essentially works towards the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. And last year we were the first cohort and just the founding members of this council that runs and is a governing body of all of these clubs and just basically supporting all the great things that they do and also creating leadership development opportunities. So something that we did and are continuing doing uh, include the Hong Kong SDG Summit and also the leadership workshop. And the SDG summit was a huge success because we had months of planning and Bailey remembers this as well. We worked so hard on it and it was a great success with over 200 participants in over 40 schools, universities, organizations. 
and also great guest speakers, like two people on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, including Miladi Weissen and Olivia Coates-James and many other incredible guest speakers as well. So that day was a huge success that got us featured in articles and also just videos. And that's why we're so passionate about it. And we're continuing that onto the 2022 SDG Summit. On the other hand, we also have the annual leadership development workshop. What we do is every year we plan some leadership developing activities. This year we did the 2030 SDG game and we invite some inspiring guest speakers to kickstart this day for planning and for developing leadership in general in all of the executives in our school. The SDG Summit was such a huge success. Um, and I think there's really been an increase in popularity in talking about the sustainable development goals. And another buzzword that pops up with that is a lot about being a change maker or being an advocate or being an entrepreneur or activist. So in your own words, would you mind describing what is a change maker to you? A change maker to me is someone who is not afraid to stand for what they are passionate about, what they believe in, or what they think is unjust in any sense. I think it's also someone who could take initiative, demonstrates leadership skills, is not afraid to learn as well. And ultimately that all of that, that can culminate into great change. It doesn't matter how big or small it is, it is still a change and the person is a change maker. Yeah, and I can tell that you have all of those attributes. And so that's what makes you like such a great leader and change maker. Um, so before we end, um, we have a few questions that we ask all our guests um, as like females ourselves and um, perhaps aspiring to become um, problem solvers in this world. Who is one female entrepreneur or founder or activist that you look up to? Well, I actually have prepared two answers for this. So the one female entrepreneur that I that I'm inspired by the most is Rihanna. So the founder of Fenty Beauty and all of the amazing companies and empires that she's founded. And one thing I admire her about the most is not actually how much money she makes, but about how she never forgets her roots and where she comes from. And also emphasizing the need for social change in her business as well. So I think integrating inclusivity and justice and all of that in her products, because um, as everyone knows, like the foundation range is over 40 shades. And that's really one of the first companies that's, that's ever done that. So looking at things maybe as small as makeup can also inflict in great social change. So that's why I admire her so much. And a change maker or activist that I also look up to is Melody Weissen. Not biased at all because of the SDG summit and that we're super lucky to have her. But I actually have looked into her and I've watched her TED Talks and I think the way she speaks, the way she does things and organizes um, her initiatives, and most importantly, creating the circle of youth. I think Bailey's a part of it as well. And just giving a platform to other people who are also passionate about change making is really inspiring as well. That's so inspiring. And like, um, I'm sure you are one of uh, the role models of many other people. Um, and so with that said, what is one final piece of advice you would give to other ambitious youth out there that are looking to make a difference or uh, perhaps haven't started to? Um, so yeah, any advice or suggestions you would give to them? 
I think on top of all the other things I touched on about burnout and collaboration, I think a final piece of advice is don't treat everything as a competition. You have to remember that when we make change, we're not working against each other. We have to work together to create positive change because if we keep competing with each other at all times or maybe even gatekeeping, sometimes it could backtrack our progress. Yeah, that is so true, especially when like nowadays everybody is looking for like the slightly competitive edge like over the others. Um, and so, yeah, with that said, uh, we're so happy that you're here. That was such a great conversation. How would you like our listeners to follow you on your journey? Um, where could they find you, your social, their LinkedIn, anything? Okay. So my Instagram account for Thalsemia Hong Kong is just on Instagram at Thalsemia HK, uh, Thalsemia, T-H-A-L-A, at S-S-E-M-I-A. Um, you know, there are different ways to spell Thalsemia. There's an extra E in the middle, but mine's without the extra E in the middle. So, and then for CDNIS Global Goals Council, it is at CDNIS GGC. And if you're interested in my personal one, it's at Bella Lizzle, L-I-Z-Z-L-E. So finally, this is not an exhaustive list. This is the last one, I promise. Uh, my LinkedIn is linkedin.com slash I-N slash Bella C-L-I. Yeah, that's it. Huge thank you to Bella for coming onto the podcast. We hope you learned a bit about thalassemia and got some advice on being a change maker. If you would like to hear the insights of other young change makers, tune in to this podcast every Wednesday. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. To stay updated and involved, follow at nevertooearly.pod on Instagram. We have all the links in the description of this episode. We would really love to hear from you.